Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. From the Omni King, Wetter, from the Omni King Edward Hotel in downtown Toronto, welcome to the Empire Club of Canada. For those of you just joining us through either our webcast or our podcast, welcome to the meeting. Today we present Victor Montagnani, FIFA Vice President and CONCAF President, in conversation with TSN's Christian Jack. Today's topic is Leading Change in Global Soccer, CONCAF's Journey of Reform, Growth, and the FIFA World Cup 2026, a watershed for the region. Coming off a very successful Russia 2018, it is certainly timely to hear about FIFA's most recent experience with the World Cup. But most importantly, we brought today's speaker in to have a look forward with us. We are so honored to have him. We all know that the World Cup is coming to North America in 2026. But everyone is interested to know what 2026 looks like for North America, for Canada, for Toronto. And luckily, Victor has brought his crystal, crystal ball. We also know that 16 North American cities will be chosen to host this game. And to be considered among those 16, three cities in Canada have applied to host in what is reported to be 10 games played in Canada. And those cities, of course, are Montreal, Toronto, and Edmonton. And FIFA will be making the final decision on what cities will make the cut. And Toronto will make the cut, Victor, right? <laughs> I mean, you can tell us. I'm sure no one will say anything. This is a private room. It's broadcast on our simulcast. No, no one will know. Uh, but anyways, to have this discussion, we brought in a fantastic moderator. He is widely considered to be one of the Canada's top soccer broadcasters. He brings more than 20 years of covering, the, of 20 years covering the beautiful game of sport of soccer uh, with TSN, covering the impact on uh, Montreal Impact, Toronto FC and Vancouver Whitecaps, as well as those top stories from around the league. Working for TSN since 2013, he is known by soccer fans in Canada as a voice they can trust when it comes to reporting on the beautiful game domestically and internationally. Jack has been an analyst for the past five Premier League seasons. The 2014 FIFA Men's World Cup in Brazil, the 2015 FIFA Women's World Cup in Canada, the 2016 UEFA European Championship in France, the 2017 Gold Cup in the United States of America. He's also covered multiple MLS Cups in the 2018 CONCACAF Championship League Final in Mexico for all TSN's platforms, including tsn.ca, as well as the 2018 World Cup. He is a native of Birmingham, England, where he's made his home in Preston. He graduated from journalism school at the University of Central Lancaster. Please welcome TSN analyst, Christian Jack. With a lifelong commitment to football, as a player and administrator Victor Montigliani's passion for the game, he has led him to become a leader of the sport. He serves as CONCACAF President and FIFA Vice President since May of 2016. Through his one CONCACAF vision, he continues strengthening the foundations of the Confederation while focusing on developing a professional and solid structure for his 41 member associations. With football at his core, the one CONCACAF vision consists of four pillars to further growth of the game, including good governance, 
successful strategic planning for competitions and commercial partnerships, investment in football development, and infrastructure and solid leadership. He serves as president of the Canadian Soccer Association until uh, May of 2017. He was a transformational president for Canada Soccer. Under his leadership, Canada Soccer hosted the Women's World Cup and helped form the Canadian Professional League. Now, his talents have been recognized internationally with his work at FIFA. He is also a partner in a nationwide insurance brokerage firm, which has grown since its inception from 2010 to over 250 employees, working alongside his business partners. In addition to his vast knowledge and experience with the game, he has, concluded, he has uh, conducted studies in political science, public administration, French and Spanish. He has tremendous amount of responsibility, and if you put up the slide uh, uh, with all his various titles, um, um, beyond his, uh, his primary responsibilities, he's also a member of the Bureau of the, FF, the FIFA Council, the International Football Association Board, he is the chairman of the FIFA Football Stakeholders Committee. He is the chairman of the FIFA Football Stakeholders Task Force, the head of the FIFA World Cup Russia 2018 headquarters, chairman of the FIFA World Cup ticketing, and global mentor for Young Leaders Mentorship Program for Sport at the Service of Humanity, which is a global movement inspired by His Holiness Pope Francis. Wow, he's even got the Pope in his corner. Please welcome to the stage the president of CONCACAF, vice president of FIFA, Victor Montigliani. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. KJ. A little bit different up here, isn't it? You can, well, I can see we've got so many people here. When I was down here, I wasn't quite sure how many people were in here. Oh, but it's, good. Uh, it's all good. It's a fantastic event. Great to be with everybody. And that video is... Wonderful to see what you guys have been doing at CONCACAF. I want to get to that in a second. We saw that remarkable slide up there with all your titles and all the different committees that you're on, uh, which is marvelous. One thing it doesn't tell us, Vic, is what this game means to you. What did this game mean to you as a little kid growing up in the greatest country in the world, and what does it mean to you today? Yeah, first, uh, thanks, Kent, for the introduction. Uh, my mom would be proud, so... Next time we're at a family dinner, if you can come over and <laughs> let my family know. Um, no, for me, it's, uh, football has always been about family. Uh, I see people in the audience here that have been part of that family in a lot of ways. My CSA family over here, uh, old friends uh, all over the room. But it really started, you know, in a really blue-collar neighborhood in East Vancouver. Um, obviously, a very ethnic community. Um, and football was really life, uh, whether it was my dad, who uh, favorite football club is Inter Milan. Uh, it's not my favorite football club, but it's his. Uh, painted our garage blue and black stripes. His truck was blue and black stripes. And my, my brother, his second son, middle name is Mazzola, named after the famous player. So to be honest with you, we didn't really have much of a choice. Um, and it was just, you know... Um, it's just in, in our DNA uh, from a young age, and uh, we all aspire to be footballers and, and just be in the game and around the game. And I think uh, uh, it's, it's really hard to um, uh, get out of your system. Uh, you, go, you wake up in the morning, and that's all you think about, and you go to sleep at night, and that's all you think about. Whether it's issues in football, whether it's about a result uh, that went, didn't go the way you wanted it to, um, and, and I see Mr. Manning nodding there. Um, and so... 
you know, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's a game that's really given me uh, almost everything in a lot of ways. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, everything starts with the family, uh, uh, the way I was raised, and uh, a lot of things are due to my mom and dad and, and the sacrifices they made coming to this country. And it stems from there, but also football is, is, is a big part of that, you know, uh, learning to how to sacrifice, learning how to work with people, uh, learning how to go through walls, um, knowing how to try to get along with people, and ultimately setting goals and, and trying to achieve them. So I think football um, is an education that is um, for your life, number one. You never stop learning, even, even at this age. Uh, and uh, it's something that has uh, is, is been, uh, for me, one of the most important pillars of, of me as a human. Fascinating stuff. You talk about it being ingrained there in your system. You and I have known each other for a number of years. One of the things that I want to share with the audience is that you haven't lost that passion for the game. I, I, I've been in the game and been very fortunate to cover this game for over two decades. And I'll never forget somebody when I was doing work experience over two decades telling me that when you cover the game in the media for a long time, it just becomes a job. And I was like, I, I don't want to be like that. Yeah, no, I agree with I, you. I don't want to be just, be, I don't want to just become a job. I want to yeah. still love the game. Yeah. And that's my sense. And that's still with me. And it's still stuck with me that the game is still in my heart because I still love it, even though it's a job and it's yeah. a wonderful job. But that's the same with you. And how important has that been with you when you've been in boardrooms and governance meetings and discussing about the future of the game that yeah. it still remains in your heart. It isn't just a job. Bit. No, absolutely. And, for, and there's people in the audience that know me that have been in those rooms with me. And, and I'm, I don't know if it's my Italian heritage or what, but I'm an emotional guy. Uh, and sometimes it shows um, whether I'm speaking or whether it's in a meeting and it's something that I'm really uh, obviously important to me, uh, it, 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 that comes out. Um, and even now, I mean, the hardest thing I find in my role sometimes when I'm in a match watching a match and you're in a suit and tie and I'm supposed to be neutral, yeah. man, that's hard, <laughs> right? That is really hard. Like I'm, Don't jump up. Right? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, so that's one of the more difficult things. In fact, uh, even at the World Cup, you know, I had the honor of kind of riding in the cockpit with, uh, with Infantino and, uh, and, and throughout the tournament and, and, and the organization of it. And uh, it was kind of funny because a couple games, I'm like giving it that and he's looking at me going, Right? And, oh, Johnny's uh, got that down to no, fact. He's, he's got yeah, the old... Yeah, yeah, he's learning. Yeah, I, go, he's, I go, buddy, what's going on? He goes, hey, I'm the FIFA president. You're the vice president. You can do that. Yeah. And so, so it is hard, but, uh, but yeah, it's, listen, I think, I think if you, honestly, if you've lost that, it might be a sign mm. that maybe, maybe you shouldn't be in the game. It brings us to where we are today in Canada, 2019. We're going to get onto the World Cup shortly, but it is a terrific time to be involved in the game and to, to, to see where the game has come. The Canadian Premier League starting up, we're all excited about that this year. The development of the Major League Soccer teams in, in Canada, CONCACAF, what you've accomplished in your short time there, bringing into an expand, expanded Gold Cup coming this year in North America as well. There's a lot of enthusiasm right now, and there should be, shouldn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, um, if Canada is a brand in itself, I think it, it, sh it should be pretty happy in terms of where it's at, uh, obviously a long way to go in some areas, obviously from a results standpoint, mm. and hopefully we'll see those um, uh, coming as well, maybe the Women's World Cup, maybe the Gold Cup. Um, but I think, you know, between uh, the, the work that's been done, you know, and the three MLS clubs, uh, three Canadian MLS clubs have been really the top clubs off the field uh, and on the field as well. Um, you know, obviously TFC having uh, the last few years being the top club in the, in, in, um, and the flagship in a lot of ways. Yeah. I know Atlanta had a great year this year, but, but um, you know, and then obviously the Canadian Premier League uh, launching uh, yesterday uh, with their announcement. 
um, and really creating what I, what I think has been lacking in this country is creating an industry of football. Mm. Uh, you know, we have, it's great at the grassroots. I think we do that better than everybody. Uh, and, I, and I can say that because I get to travel to 211 countries. Uh, I think we're almost the best in the world when it comes to that, grassroots in terms of, uh, but where we, where we lack it is at the sharp edge of the game. And although we've had it with MLS and maybe even before that with the NASL, that it hasn't been broad enough. It's been good in that, in that but it needs to be broader where, where Canadians can aspire to, to work in football, uh, whether it's a coach or an administrator or, or, uh, or obviously a player. Um, so I think that to me is where we're, where, where we're heading, where we need to head to really change the culture of football in this country. Uh, and I think, um, and right now, you know, between, between the World Cup being sort of the North Star for, for 26 and, and as you said, with the, with the MLS teams, the way they're going, with the CPL, uh, and uh, even things that are happening underneath that, you know, at, a bit at the grassroots level, uh, League One here in Ontario, mm -hmm. that's been a tremendous success. So uh, I, think, uh, I think you're starting to see some, align uh, some significant alignment that I think could lead to uh, um, maybe football, sorry, I, I don't call it soccer, but football <laughs> being, you know, uh, uh, perhaps uh, the sport of choice in this country, even, dare I say, in this, in this town, uh, surpassing our uh, national sport. You mentioned culture there. We'll get to the World Cup shortly, but before we get to that, the Canadian Premier League, you were a huge proponent of it, a big believer it when you were with, when you were with the, the brilliant guys at the CSA. It's starting, it's here. One, how important is it for patience? Two, how excited are you to have this league now in Canada as you continue to represent the, the flag as you go across these CONCACAF regions and, and talk about Canada getting their own league? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, one of the things when I became president, I uh, sat down with the general secretary at the time, was over here, Peter, that you introduced, and there was two things I said to him that have to be done. Uh, well, three. One was the execution of the Women's World Cup, which went off without a, mm -hmm. without a doubt, and the other two were uh, bidding for the World Cup that a lot of people laughed at us, to be honest with you. Uh, I, can, I even have the original article, I think, in one of the Toronto papers that kind of took a shot at us because of that. I still have it in my drawer. I'm not joking you. I don't forget. Um, and uh, and, uh, and uh, the other one was Lee, um, because I, I think that one of the most important, you talk about the flag, and one of the things actually Peter said to me when I became CONCACAF president, says, you know one of the best thing, one of the unique things is now when you speak publicly anywhere in the world, that that flag will be behind you. Mm -hmm. And I thought about that, and that was meaningful, because in football, there's only two, there's only two narratives in football. There's club football, so you're, TFC fan or, you know, a Forge fan or an Impact fan uh, or an AC Milan fan. God forbid. Um, and, uh, things, things are on the way up. I know, they're on the way You're up. all right. Or, or it's your national or your country. Yeah. And so to me, it's always been about sovereignty. And one thing you never give up on football is your sovereignty. And I think the Canadian League is part of that. And, and I know in North America we have this dynamic of cross-border, and, it, and, and it's important. And I, it could be the wave of the future as well, I think, as well. But I think sovereignty from, from, as I said before, the industry standpoint. And so I think that to me was what the league really represented. It's not just about seven, eight, 12, 15 teams. That's all great. Um, it, it's about really the sovereignty of your country. And to me, that is the most important thing in football. And I see it when I travel in Central America and like these guys don't give it up. You know, they, don't, they, don't, they don't care, they don't, you know, they don't, they might not have a Rolls Royce, but what they have is theirs. And to me, that, that's very, very important. Um, and, and, you know, and I think the role the MLS can play in Canada is they've done it where 
they've actually grasped that Canadiana from a development standpoint. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's investing in Jonathan Osorio, whether it's investing in their, their youth team, is in bringing players up that are now on the national team. So that, that sovereignty can be manifested in many different ways. And so, I th but I think it's important that that has to really be uh, at the core of what you do if you're Canadian or if you're working in Canada. You mentioned the World Cup there. In, growing up in England, I learned pretty quickly that... It you're can, never going to win it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't rehearse that, by the way. Uh, but it kind of worked out. I, I, I was eight years old when Diego Maradona punched the ball in the back of the net yeah. and knocked England out. So I yeah. learned very quickly about things couldn't go my way, you know. But there's nothing more powerful for me in sport than those two words being put together, World, World Cup. Cup. Even to this day, you talk there about the club game over the international game. We talk a lot on TSN about all the, sport, all the games we do. The club game, I think anybody in the audience would admit at the very highest level, technically is being played at a, a far superior level than we're probably ever gonna see in Absolutely. international football now. Lots of reasons for that, money being one, superior fitness, top coaching, um, together it's, as, uh, in camps, every single day rather than international breaks that come along. But there is nothing like the World Cup and we have got it now coming to this North American uh, in 2026. Before we get to that, let's take a look back at what happened in 2018 in Russia. <laughs> Two teams have been reduced to four. Oh, 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 oh. 
Football World Cup. Images and emotions that will stick with millions of people around the world after a fantastic World Cup, arguably one of the greatest World Cups uh, ever. Uh, I know I had a lot of fun um, with CTV and TSN this year. We did over 200 hours of coverage around, around that World Cup. That was great. And we're in another World Cup year with the, with the Women's World Cup again this year, which is going to be an absolute treat. But 2026, it is officially coming here. We talked about it earlier. Those emotions, those memories that people it becomes ingrained with them from the World Cups, that's gonna be created here. And some of those emotions are gonna be created on, on Canadian soil. How significant is that, Victor? And how important is it that we in Canada make sure that it isn't just about the 32 days of the World Cup, that it becomes so much more? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I mean, I, I have no doubt that, you know, the, the tournament in 2026 in June and July will be a fantastic success. And, We'll have those emotions, like every World Cup does, some more than others, but, and hopefully it'll be better than this one on, on the pitch as well. But you know, the reality is, from, from our perspective, first from a, from a CONCACAF perspective, and specifically from a Canada, you know, what we have to ensure is that it's not just a, a tournament uh, in June and July of 2026, that you have seven, eight year run here, uh, and beyond that, I think the planning needs to even go beyond that, uh, that it, it really becomes a legacy for the sport uh, and there's so many opportunities leading up, and I actually met with the mayor this morning. Uh, you know, there's things uh, I think already I think uh, Canada can be doing. Uh, I think, you know, everybody wants to get busy with their own provincial championships and their own little club, and that's all great. But I think the leaders of the sport in this country need to wake up that there is an opportunity, and you need to start galvanizing together. You start, you got to have the corporate world come in. In, in conjunction with the football community, with the federation, with the cities. It has to be all in concert uh, so that you can maximize every opportunity you can so that the sport becomes what it can be after the World Cup mm. and not, not just on that legacy of an event. Uh, and, uh, and I think if you can do that, uh, you will see uh, you know, a, a really a different Canada. And I know that you know, there's been times we've had other events, um, maybe in other sports, where people have said that it's nation building. Well, the reality is, with all due respect, there's really only one sport that can really do that, yeah. uh, is this. And I, and I hate to say that, but Olympic Games don't really nation build. I think they, they're great and they can put investment, but it's such a multi-sport uh, environment that it's hard to, to build on anything. And a lot of the sports are non-existent in between the Olympics, let's be honest. This sport is not like that. This is an everyday of your, of your life. You've got club football, you've got youth football, you've got women's football, you've got, you got, you got it all, and it's every year. So this sport has an opportunity to really nation build. And I think this is what we have to realize in this country. And this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Absolutely. This is also unprecedented for anybody who isn't aware. It is the first World Cup will be the first World Cup where three countries have come together to host. Yeah. You can't say this, so I will. You played a massive part in bringing those three countries together under the CONCACAF umbrella. Many people not that long ago, whether in life or soccer, looked at these countries as enemies 
and now they're coming together as part of, you use the word family, the soccer family, yeah. to come together and host the biggest World Cup ever. Um, so the relationship has already been created. And now that Canada is a part of, the, of, the, of hosting the biggest event in the world, how important is it to show not just the world, but the United States and Mexico under your CONCACAF umbrella that, look, we're as big as you guys here. We might not be hosting as many games, but this is not just a United States World Cup with a few games thrown to Canada. This is the true tri-bid here. Yeah, I know. Listen, I can tell you from a FIFA perspective, uh, I'll put my FIFA hat on, this is not a United States World Cup. And anybody that says that is delusional. This is a United Bid World Cup between three countries with so many games in the U.S., so many games in Canada, and so many games in Mexico. That's it. It's not a U.S. World Cup. It ain't a Mexico World Cup. It ain't a Canada World Cup. It's together. And CONCACAF will play a role moving forward because the region will benefit from it. Uh, it won't play a direct role as those three countries, obviously, but it will play a more an indirect role. So, you know, I, it, it, it truly is uh, a regional World Cup. And so uh, it, it's not going to be like 94, and it's not going to be like 2015, uh, the Women's World Cup here, or 2007 with the other 20s. It won't be that. It'll be something completely different. And um, it's new territory, even for FIFA. Uh, but, you know, I think it's, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity because uh, I, and everybody's kind of jumping on board now because 2030 is uh, already, there's some, been some announcements. Argentina's bidding with uh, Paraguay and Uruguay. Yep. Uh, I we Peter, we should have trademarked the United bid. Um, <laughs> and uh, England is looking at Scotland and Wales, um, and I believe Northern Ireland. Uh, to look at their bid for 2030. Uh, Spain and Portugal are looking at Morocco uh, for a, a kind of a united bid. So, so we're trailblazers here. We can show them how it's done. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, it's, a, it's a unique opportunity. I guess final question before we do open it up. We, we want to do open up to Q&A and make sure we get time there is legacy. The, the, the legacy of the World Cup. You talked about what needs to be done between now and then. The legacy of that, not only at a grassroots from a player's point of view, but the entire game, the entire country continues to fall in love with the sport. The legacy, can you speak a little bit about that in terms of what can, be, what can become of Canada yeah. and their love for the game after 2026? Listen, I think, I think there's, legacy has, uh, to me, it's a two-sided coin. Uh, um, one side is the, the obvious side, the infrastructure side. Uh, leagues will get better, clubs will get better, federations will get better, provincial associations get better. That's all great. The other side is the human side. And what I like to call, um, you, you know, because you just talked about, you know, uh, this was the greatest World Cup. You remember, you know, the 86 World Cup. You know, I remember the, uh, you know, the 78 World Cup when you can only watch it on, um, uh, I, I had to skip school to go to the Agrodome to, so I could watch it on closed circuit. Right. And my dad actually me, allowed me to skip school. He just told me, don't tell your mother. <laughs> and uh, well, now she knows. Now she knows, yeah. yeah. So what I'm saying to you is that, so I was a 10-year-old uh, kid. And so that was a fire that was ignited in me that has lasted me my whole life. If we can ignite more fires because of our World Cup into our children, male and female, like the Women's World Cup did when I saw grown men walking around Christine Sinclair jerseys, yep. like, you know, if we can ignite that fire, that to me is a bigger legacy than a training pitch. And so to me, it has to go both. It has to be the obvious, uh, what we can see, the, what I call the, the hardware, but the software to me is so important. 
that it's a software that really provides a legacy for your country. Amen to that. We could continue this discussion, talk about obviously the expanded Nations League, that you've been, yeah. you've been a big proponent of that. The Gold Cup comes this summer, going to different countries now for really for the first time, 16 teams in the Gold Cup as well. Um, it's a very exciting time for Can Canadian soccer, CONCACAF as well. Um, but we do have a microphone in the audience, so if anybody wants any questions, please raise your hand and um, introduce who you are. And yeah, we've got a microphone right here. Thank you. Hi, my name is Kareem. Um, I've been a soccer referee for the last 11 years. I started out refereeing uh, under five. Now I move up to men's age. So actually, someone works for the CPL. I might come and talk to you later. <laughs> but um, I'm glad I'm talking to the FIFA vice president. I guess the question I had was, um, currently right now, the, they don't start keeping score in Canadian soccer until about age 12 or 13. And um, I'm worried that as we build towards like building a competitive 2026 team, like, is that the best way to like develop talent? So, I guess it's kind of like I'm, I don't want me. I don't mean to grill you, oh, but right. uh, <laughs> but as a soccer fan and like, yeah. you might not like my answer, but that's okay. Oh, okay, okay. So I guess I'll open up the floor to you. And see what yeah. You no. Think. Listen. I think uh, one of the things we have to realize is, uh, you know, where competition really matters is at the sharp edge of the game. And, you know, it's it's for our national teams. It's it's for the pros over here, not not for twelve year olds. Um, the reality is that, uh, I'll give you a name, um, Johan Cruyff, God rest his soul. You heard of Johan Cruyff. Not a bad player, I would say. Um, Johan Cruyff never played 11-a-side football until he was the age of 13. That means they never kept score. It was all about learning this. If it's good enough for Johan Cruyff, it's good enough for our children. I think some of the things that the CSA is implementing through Jason DeVos' leadership is long overdue. Things that we've talked about that I think are finally being implemented. For instance, that is one of them. Um, trust me, the kids know the score. You don't you, you know, the, who, who are you trying to keep score for? The parents or the kids? The kids know the score, trust me. Johnny knows that he scored three goals and that they won 6-4. Uh, trust me. Because he's telling the guy at a Monday at recess, hey man, I got a hat trick on the weekend. Trust me. So the game is for the kids. It's not for the adults. And we need to think that way. And so that's number one. Number two, there's other things. Like, for, for instance, some provinces have promotion and relegation at youth. That is absolutely ridiculous. As one technical director said, some of the way we treat our youth football is tantamount to child abuse. That's what I heard one technical director say, and I don't necessarily disagree with him from a mental standpoint and psychological standpoint. We need to do a better job, and I think what has been laid down by the CSA finally, uh, I mean, it's been a long time coming. It's not that we didn't try to lay it down before, but I think one of the th words that I would like to see federations do and, uh, and, and, and the CSA do is, is use the word mandate more often. With all due respect, you know, one of the differences between our culture and other cultures is that people respect the infrastructure. We don't have people running around saying, well, you know, I got my little 10-year-old club here in Burlington and I'm not going to listen to the CSA because I know more. No. Quite frankly, anybody that thinks that way can do me a favor and actually retire because you're actually doing a disservice to your, to your players. So the reality is you need to get with the program. The program starts with the National Federation and then to the pro clubs. Over there. Um, my name is Vincent Alvarado. I'm a sport business management student at Humber College. Um, we didn't get mentioned at the beginning, but that's fine. Um, so uh, my question for, for, for you, Victor, is um, you know, with 2026 you know, happening, obviously we have the Gold Cup which is our uh, big regional tournament. 
We're going to have a few of them before 2026. You know, yeah. typically the tournament is held in the United States. From a logistical standpoint, obviously, that's always been the best uh, way forward uh, to host that tournament. But with all the infrastructure going in, all the development happening in Canada, is there a chance to finally have the Gold Cup held completely within Canada, one of those uh, in the years leading up to, to the World Cup? Yeah, so this year is the first year um, um, that we're actually going to have venues outside of the U.S. We're, uh, well, we did have it in Toronto in 2013. We had a, a doubleheader. And, um, and so then we have, now this is the first time we're having Costa Rica actually was announced. And then uh, there will be a Caribbean venue that we'll announce in about a month's time. And so it's the first time we're bringing it out because one of the things that I think the Gold Cup can do is not only, uh, and then expand the Gold Cup, not only develop on the pitch, but it's off the pitch and develop the markets. I think Canada is primed to host a Gold Cup. I think hosting an entire tournament might, in the short run, not be uh, probably uh, reasonable, but just because I think, uh, uh, with all due respect, the economics. We don't have 100,000-seat stadiums, to be blunt with you. And so, uh, you know, when I can sell out the Rose Bowl at 100,000 seats, you know, you have to balance development with economics. You know, I've got still mouse to feed, you know, at CONCACAF and in my development department, and people ask me for money for this and this and that. So I can't turn down a 100,000-seat gate at the Rose Bowl because I'm going to put it in a 23,000-seat stadium. Can I, can I have more games in Canada? Absolutely. Toronto's a fantastic market. Uh, we know Vancouver is. We, we, and we have other markets that are coming on board in, in Alberta and in Winnipeg and obviously Montreal, even Halifax one day. Um, and so what I'm saying is I think the, Canada can play a bigger role in the Gold Cup, perhaps from a venue standpoint, but hosting the entire Gold Cup in Canada, I don't see that in the near future. Over there. I'm Stephen Henderson. I'm an intellectual property and entertainment lawyer here in, in Toronto at Castles Brock. My question is, we've seen um, Calgary reject uh, putting a bid forward for the Olympics. We've seen Vancouver decide not to bid as part of the World Cup bid. I'm wondering how we can mobilize you know, the World Cup bidding cities in Canada, but also in the, the US and Mexico, to try to ensure that the, you know, the various levels of government actually support the bid in the way that you'd, you'd like to see it happen. Or, or, so if I understood, are the government supporting the bid? Well, in terms of how can you mobilize them to ensure that the, the World Cup comes off in the, you know, the best way possible? Yeah, listen, from a government standpoint, um, you know, it's more, it's more uh, having some guarantees that it's part of the bid package. Uh, and those are being given by the feds and the provincial government. Uh, after that, really a lot of the engagement is not so much with the feds and, and, the, and the provincial government. There is some of it, but it's really at the local level, you know, with the cities. That's where a lot of the, uh, a lot of the sort of um, energy will go, whether it be fan fests and those kind of things. And so, um, you know, at the federal government, it's more when the event happens. You know, even at the Olympics, for instance, I'm from Vancouver, you know, the federal government wasn't involved other than obviously funding some of it, but they were kind of there when the Olympics were on because obviously they're our federal government. Uh, and they were there at meetings and stuff like that. So you will see that. But I think a lot of the engagement of a lot of these international events happens at the local level, as it should, really. Time for one more. Oh, just yeah, over here. Hi. Uh, my name is Peter Katsopoulos. I'm part of the corporate world. I've been a coach for a long time, a player for a long time. My background's similar to you. My parents are from another country, and I'm born here. And I got a lot of passion. Um, as a coach, I would say that the kids have always been happy until the parents tell them not to be happy. Um, but here's my question, and out of respect that the CSA is in the room, 
when Canada fields a worthy national team for the World Cup and Italy makes the World Cup, or hopefully makes the World Cup, who are you going to cheer for? He, he's going to well, make sure they're not in the same group. That's let, let me tell you something. <laughs> Cold, hot. Um, listen, uh, first of all, the World Cup in 2026 has a possibility of having eight teams from the CONCACAF region because it's six and a half plus you get another half because you're the host. So we could get eight teams. Let me tell you something right now. I will cheer for all eight of those CONCACAF teams before I cheer for Italy. I think that's a great way to finish right there. Thank you. Um, again, please join me in thanking Victor Monsagliani. Thank you. Stay here, stay here. Yeah. So I have the pleasure of also inviting Bill Manning, the president of Toronto FC and Toronto Argonauts up the stage to uh, give a thank you to, to Victor and to Christian. Uh, thank you, uh, Bill, for being a sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bill Manning. My, uh, my honor today to, to give the closing remarks, and, and thank you, Kent, and the Empire Club for putting on a great event today. Um, it's probably seven or eight years ago when Victor first came on my radar screen. I was uh, running a team in Major League Soccer called Real Salt Lake, and there was a, a new president of Canada Soccer, and he was very vocal and, and very boisterous, and no one, we, and we had, had not seen anyone in Canada like this man before. And he talked about Canadian women's team being the best team in the world, not being among the best, the best team in the world. He talked, he was the first person I can remember from Canadian soccer to talk about the Canadian men's national team being a regional power along with Mexico and the United States and being a world team that could be amongst the top 20 or 30. And I checked this quote, you said Canada soccer within the next 10 to 15 years will be one of the top 10 or, uh, 20 or 30 teams in the world. Um, and, we're, and I will tell you, we're well on our way. Canada will be amongst the best 20 or 30 teams in the world, probably 2026, 2030, maybe even 2034. But, but it is because of this man that they will get there. Um, they hosted the 2015 World Cup, uh, Women's World Cup, which was arguably the greatest Women's World Cup ever. Um, and, and that was uh, certainly because of Victor. In 2016, he went to CONCACAF. And I remember, and we hadn't met yet. We hadn't met till I came here to Toronto. And I remember saying, wow, this guy is not only going to do things, did he do things in Canada, he's going to do things for this region. And I got a chance to get to know Victor a, a bit when I joined TFC over the last few years. And in sports, we use a, a term, the real deal, when you talk about a player. Um, this guy is the real deal. He is the real deal. And, and this World Cup, I will tell you, there is no one in the world more responsible for uniting three countries, United States, Mexico, and Canada, to host a World Cup than this guy right here. He is the only guy that could take those three countries, put them together, and I predict, I think the World Cup 2026 will be the greatest World Cup this world has ever seen. And it's because of this man. He is a great leader, great collaborator, and a great friend. So please, another round of applause for Victor. Thank you.
quick, couple of quick announcements. I wanted to thank, uh, make one more thank you to Bob Richardson, who was a mentor of mine. He's done a terrible job at that, but he did a fantastic job at helping uh, with this event uh, and, and doing a lot of uh, a lot of stuff with this event, so thank you very much, Bob. And a couple more individuals in this room uh, that I found out were here. Uh, one is Councilor Mark Grimes, uh, who is the Councilor for Ward 6, and the second is uh, Rudy Gazzetti, the, uh, the new MPP for Mississauga Lakeshore. If you could please stand, I just want to recognize you, so thank you for coming as well. There you are. And we have a uh, a great event coming up uh, next month, which I believe starts almost tomorrow, or the day after tomorrow, and that is, uh, that is with, uh, it's called the President of MDA, Canada in the New Trillion Dollar Space Economy. So that's a great event. We have some other uh, political events coming up with the federal and provincial government that we'll be announcing in the next coming days. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for coming today, and the meeting is adjourned. <laughs>